Welcome friends to the Help and Hope podcast. I'm Sharon Betters, your host, and I am so happy to have you join us for our conversation today. In 1993, our 16-year-old son, Mark, and his friend, Kelly, were in a fatal car accident. And as you can imagine, we experienced an abyss of grief that we thought we would never survive. One of the ways that God kept his promises of faithfulness to us was with other people coming back and walking with us who were further ahead in life's journey, who had experienced deep anguish and pain. We knew that we wanted to be those people for others coming behind us as we began to experience purpose and joy once more. And that is the vision and the mission of Mark Inc. Ministries, and in particular, this Help and Hope podcast. Our vision is to offer help and hope, especially to hurting people. And that is one reason I am so excited to introduce to you our guest today, Anne Swindell, who is going to share with us how she came to a moment in her own life where she cried out, I didn't sign up for this life. And I, I just wonder how many of you are feeling that way right now. You may be feeling anxious, or maybe it's just gnawing at you constantly. You could be feeling overwhelmed by your to-do list. You could be exhausted and you're hungering for something more, something better. You know there has to be some better way of facing each day. Well, Anne and I are gonna talk about that because she wrote this book called A Path to Peace. And I have to tell you, I love it. I've used it for my own personal devotions and my goal in our conversation, not only is to offer help and hope, but so that we will have a conversation that is like salty peanuts, where you're gonna to want to get Anne's book, A Path to Peace. Anne is a multifaceted woman, and you're gonna learn more about her as our conversation opens up. So Anne, I would like for you though, before we jump into our topic, for you to share with us a little bit about yourself. And in particular, I would like to hear about writing with grace. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sharon. It's such a joy to be here. And I'm looking forward to chatting about peace as well. But a little bit about me. Yeah, I am a wife, a pastor's wife. Michael and I have been married for over 16 years, and we've been in ministry most of that time. And I'm also a mom. I am kind of to my own shock and surprise, I'm a homeschooling mom, which I never saw coming, but has ended up being a deep joy for us. I write for various online Christian publications like the Gospel Coalition, well-watered women, risen motherhood, and some others. And then I do have this joy of getting to run. Oh, and then I write books. <laughs> I shouldn't forget this since you just mentioned it, but I've written two books, Still Waiting and The Path to Peace, which just came out recently. And I do have this joy of getting to run. It's kind of a hybrid ministry business called Writing with Grace. And before I ran my own business and did a lot of the things I'm doing now. I actually was a college instructor for five years in the English department at Wheaton College, which was my alma mater. And I taught everything from intro level writing courses all the way up to creative writing courses and high level memoir courses. I just loved it. And so when we moved from my husband to go to seminary, we were praying through and thinking about and dreaming about, okay, you know, I needed to work. What was my work going to be in this season? And I started writing with grace, which is essentially teaching university level, but Christ writing courses uh, for primarily women. I do have a handful of men every now and again, but primarily for women who feel called to share their story in a winsome, beautiful and Christ centered way uh, so that their words can go out into the world and accomplish the purposes that God has created for them. So 
is a deep passion of mine, getting to teach those courses. And then I also coach writers and I have a year round mastermind, which is like a writing discipleship group every year, um, special part of writing with grace as well. Well, when I learned about your writing with grace, I was thinking, wow, I would love to take that course. (laughs) And I'm almost 75. I I would love to have you. I appreciate that. And we're going to have the information about your course in the show notes as well. So anyone who is interested in following through with Anne, I encourage you to do that. As an aside, I will say that I have women of literally all ages. So I've had women in their teens all the way up to women in their 80s taking my courses. So it is for believers of any age who just want to write and love the Lord in that season of life. And I just love how many women are getting opportunities for their writing to go out into the world and and their message is so beautiful and beautifully written. So Mm. I love what you're doing. Tell me, Anne, why did you write this book, A Path to Peace? Oh man, you know, I had people ask me, did you write this during the pandemic? And I said, well, I finished writing it, but I actually started writing it before the pandemic because of just circumstances, life situations that our family found ourselves in. My husband, as I said, is a pastor. And several years ago, he was actually fired from one of his pastoral positions for telling the truth. And so it was very painful on a lot of levels because you don't expect a pastor to get fired for telling the truth, but he did. And kind of overnight, we lost our main income. We lost pretty much our entire community. What's interesting about being in ministry is that your community and your work are usually one and the same. And so we lost most of our community overnight. And I really value stability and security. And so it felt like those things were ripped away. At the same time, my son, who was a baby at the time, he was dealing with a really rare GI condition. And so every day just kind of felt like a small medical emergency with him. It was a really challenging season with his health and therefore lack of sleep, which we all know can make us feel crazy anyway. So there were kind of all these different layers of like financial stress, tons of relational hurt and fallout questioning the Lord, like, God, why, why would you bring us to this pastoral position to have us get fired for telling the truth? You know, all these, and then medical issues, so much stress. And I just found myself waking up almost every morning in what felt like a mini panic attack. You know, when you have that feeling, you wake up and it's like your life comes back to you. I'm sure you know this in incredibly deep ways, Sharon, where it, it just comes back and you're like, oh my gosh, I, I, how am I going to do this? I don't even want to go through the day. I don't know how I'm going to face this. And I had this realization in that season, which lasted for quite some time, that I knew what the scripture said. I knew that the Lord said in his word that I could walk in his peace, this peace that passes understanding, as the scripture says. But my day-to-day reality was not lining up with that. (laughs) I was full of so much anxiety and fear and stress and worry. And I, I had this, you know, the book was up with this thing that happened one November night where I, I just was screaming into the night. This is not what I signed up for. This is not what I want. This is not life. I thought I wanted Lord. How did we get here? And, you know, as with most things with the Lord, we never get an audible. We rarely get, I should say an audible answer, but I felt like what the Lord was inviting me into in that season and out of that pain was an invitation to go to the scriptures and try to figure out how I could practically walk in the Lord's peace when my life felt very chaotic and overwhelming because I knew it was a promise. I just wasn't experiencing that. And so that set me on this journey of diving into the scriptures, reading through the stories of biblical men and women from both the Old and New Testaments to see 
how did they walk in their lives in the middle of a lot of pain and anxiety and stress? Because if they could do it as just normal men and women, then I believe that I can walk in that peace too. And so that's how the path to peace was born. Mm-hmm. And that study and that time in the word really helped to transform my own heart. I really love the way you weave your own story throughout the book and you draw some parallels to these people that we've never met. And yet God has put them there to teach us and to come alongside of us in a beautiful way. I mean, they really do call back to us that God is faithful and and, yeah. sovereign and we can trust him in such a beautiful way. What are some of the ways, can you think of uh, some specific ways where God used a particular person in scripture with a very specific event in your life to settle your soul? Yeah. I mean, there's so many that actually come to mind. I think one of the ones that actually really impacted me a lot in that season and has continued is uh, Sarah, Abraham's wife. Because I think a lot of times, at least for me, maybe the story of Abraham and Sarah, and you think, okay, there's the father of you know, our, our faith. And he was the one who responded to God's call and followed God out into the middle of nowhere. Wow. But when I started doing research, I was like, oh man, Sarah, (laughs) Sarah didn't have this powerful encounter with God where he said, you know, leave everything and go. She got the message secondarily from Abram, you know, at the time their names were Abram and Sarai. And you have to you have to remember, like they were living in the ancient world where there were multiple gods, molten multiple pagan deities. And so Sarah is hearing that apparently Abram now has had an encounter with some god they've never heard of, Yahweh. And this god is telling them to pack up everything. They're they're rather wealthy at this point, and to go. Uh, where are we going? We don't know. It's just time to go. <laughs> and she was called into a situation and a circumstance that she didn't choose, she didn't want. And ultimately, she had no say in this choice. You know, in Old Testament time, ancient world times, women were essentially the equivalent of property. They didn't have legal rights. And so I guess Sarah could have stomped her foot and said, I'm staying, you know, while everybody else left. But she would have had no support. She would have had no way to care for herself. And so she really didn't have a choice. And, you know, when when my husband got fired from his job as a pastor, we didn't have a choice. People made choices that impacted us. And I think all of us understand what that's like. When other people make choices that we can't influence, we never would have chosen. And our lives change because of that. You know, I one of the examples I use in the book is like, none of us choose parents, but how we're parented shapes us for the rest of our lives. And there are both positives and negatives to that. Things that we have to deal with that we didn't choose because of how we were parented. Um, a boss who hires or fires us, a spouse who is faithful or unfaithful, a child who is wayward, or loving, present, like people make choices all the time, friends that impact us. And so I have gone back to Sarah many times to say, here's a woman who had literally no say in basically uprooting her entire life, following a God she didn't yet know. And yet what we see in the scripture is that God took care of Sarah. You know, the story, part of her story is they're heading to Abra- heading to Egypt for food because there's this great famine in Egypt. And Abram, apparently Sarah is so beautiful in her 60s or 70s at this point that he knows that Pharaoh is going to want her in his harem. <laughs> mm-hmm. So she must have been a knockout, right? And he said he basically says, we're going to lie and you're going to say you're my sister so that I'll stay alive um, so that he wouldn't have to be killed. He was a coward and he put Sarah in harm's way for his own safety. Sarah must have been terrified. She didn't want to go to the harem. She was already married. 
But she, she, again, she had no choice. Yet we see that the same God that had called Abram out into the wilderness, essentially, is the same God who cared for Sarah. He protected her. He sent, the scripture says, he sent great plagues on the Egyptian household on behalf of Sarah. And so she had these experiences with God where she could start to understand, you know, yeah, this God of Abram, he's not just the God of my husband. He sees me. He cares for me. He's protecting me. And it was an encouragement to my heart. And I think it should be to all of our hearts that when people make choices and do things that we can't control mm-hmm. and our lives are struggling because of it, we have a father in heaven who sees us, who loves us, and who is going to care and protect for us, even if it feels like we're walking into Pharaoh's harem right now. He is on the move. He is with you, and he is going to uh, care for you. I really appreciate that perspective on Sarah. I have studied her. I have taught about her, but I don't think I've ever really articulated that this woman had no choices, but one. And of course, that was to learn about who God was and this strange God who was taking them all over mm-hmm. nowhere and, and into strange <laughs> situations. And I think probably everything you said, I think most of us can relate to where we all are in situations where we had have no choice. Um, right. and we're there. What, what do we do with it? And what do we do with it? Tell us about Mary Magdalene. I loved your perspective on her and the idea of her finding peace in service, but tell, tell us a, a little bit about her and yeah. And why, why you think that happened in her life? Yeah, I I loved man. I mean, I could gush over each one of these men and women. There are eight different sections of the book, you know, with different men and women from Old New Testament, and they're all just so their stories are so beautiful because it's God who is writing their stories, right? And they couldn't usually see it at the time, but when you look back, you can tell, man, the Lord was on the move in each of their lives. And Mary Magdalene's life is like that. I mean, when we meet her in the scriptures. We don't know a whole lot about her, except that she had multiple demons cast out of her. And so Christ had set her free. And then she became his traveling companions with the disciples. And then there was this band of women that essentially traveled with them as well. And so she was learning from the Lord and following him. And we can only imagine the utter darkness that she was subjected to as a woman who was in bondage to multiple demons. And then the light and the joy and the peace that she must have experienced literally being in the physical presence of Messiah day in, day out. And when he was crucified, I cannot, you know, we know the end of the story. We know the resurrection of Christ, but she would not have known that on Friday, on Saturday. Her grief must have been just extreme to think the man who freed me the man who I would gladly spend the rest of my life following, learning from, serving, adoring, he's gone. What is my life now? What do I do? I have no purpose apart from him. And yet what we see in her story is that even though her entire existence as she knew it was over with the death of Christ on that cross, she didn't ultimately succumb to just rolling a ball. What she did, and we see in the scriptures, is that Mary Magdalene and her friend decided that one thing they could do to tangibly still serve their Lord was that they could go and take care of his body. And they could basically prepare his body with the burial spices that was necessary for the Jewish customs at that time. And so they followed to see where the body was laid. What we don't know scripturally, but I can imagine that she and her friend were preparing burial spices, probably working together and crying together, right? Maybe they talked about the Lord as they crushed and stirred those spices and remembered him. And then after the Sabbath, 
on Saturday. They went back on Sunday to go and prepare his body. Well, what they found (laughs) was not what they expected, right? It was the resurrected Christ. But in the middle there, we get this beautiful, honestly, for me, challenging picture of a woman who was in the depths of grief. And yet what she did was she, she turned her heart towards service. She turned her heart toward, I can still serve my Lord, even in my suffering, even in my sorrow. Mm-hmm. And she did that through with preparing these burial spices. And that model for me has been a good challenge for me in my own seasons of pain and suffering to say, am I going to curl up into a ball and disappear from life? Or in the very small ways, sometimes it feels like nothing, but in the small ways that I'm able to, is there a way I can serve? Maybe it's making a meal for a friend. Maybe it's picking a friend's kid up from school when they're sick. But I've done it both ways. I've done both ways where I've spiraled in, closed people off, and it has been painful and doubly hard. And then I've made choices in recent years to reach out and serve in small ways. And it's still been painful. Any type of grief is always going to be painful. But that, that pain is lifted because of God's goodness when we serve. Um, the Bible highlights this truth for us, this scripture. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's from 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3 through 4. It's this beautiful mystery that God has set up in the body of Christ that as we serve others, even in the midst of our own trials, our own pain, our own suffering, we're going to find ourselves enveloped in the comfort of God and upheld by his peace, even as we pour out. Now, this doesn't mean that there aren't seasons where sometimes we're just going to need to be the one being served, right? Like <laughs> we all have those seasons and that's appropriate. But if we can, if we can reach out, if we can serve in always kind ways to others in the body, to others in our neighborhood, we will miraculously find God's comfort and peace is ready to meet us as we pour out because that's how he set us up to operate. That's how he's wired us is that we will be comforted by his comfort as we extend the comfort of Christ to others. Yeah, I love I love what you're saying because it's so theologically true. It is our theology that God has promised mm-hmm. to bless us, his children, and that we are going to be a blessing to others. And I can yeah. speak from my own experience after the loss of our son Mark and mm-hmm. his friend Kelly and and I and anyone who is listening or watching that I want to, I, I want to reiterate what Anne has said is that there are seasons where we must step back. You you may feel completely overwhelmed by the idea of reaching out and serving someone else, but that is okay. Just as Anne yes. said, there are those times where God has created that moment and you have no idea how God may be using your own sorrow and and grief mm-hmm. to be ministering to somebody else to be coming alongside of them in ways that you, you're you not doing it, but God is doing it. And so I know that I would want to encourage you and Anne would want to encourage you that it's really through prayer and waiting on him too, to show us those little things. I think about the little things are the big things in ministry. Mm-hmm. I think that we think they're insignificant and yet God uses them in a mighty way. And especially as you said, and when we're seeking the Lord and he just shows us that moment where we can touch the heart of another person and something happens for us in our own hearts and, and gives us a sense of purpose. 
And and when you had huge loss, sometimes you lose that sense of purpose. And he gently leads us back to that place of our calling where he wants us to serve him. So I love that picture of Mary Magdalene. And I love the context of little by little, step by step, inch by inch, we come to him. I know for me, community is a gift of God. I I think it's one of his most priceless gifts because it is where he does keep many of his promises. He uses his people to keep the promises that he has made to us. And I have experienced incredible, priceless community and it's precious. However, I've also experienced the broken places of community and church life. And sadly, Anne, it feels like we are in a season where there is so much hurt going on through the body of Christ in the local church community. I mean, you mentioned your own experience. And unfortunately, I don't know what's happening. I feel like I feel as though the enemy has an MO that he's figured out can work in disrupting Mm -hmm. God's people. And it is happening across, I know, our country, our world. It is rampant. It is rampant. It is heartbreaking. And sometimes I just don't even know what I don't know how to to come alongside of someone who is so broken. And yet community is a stepping stone to peace. So yes, it is. Yeah. So how have you reconciled all of that in your own life journey? It's a great question. And you know, it's interesting, Sharon, and this is not something that I wrote about in the book, but church hurt goes back pretty much to the beginning of my life and my, my story. And it's interesting to me um, in particular, because I'm, I'm a pastor's wife and I've always felt drawn to ministry. You can see sometimes in our lives where the enemy tries to hit at the most tender places, right? Where he knows we need church, but doesn't want us to be there. I mean, my my parents' church imploded when I was a very young child. I think I was six or seven because the pastor had multiple affairs. Mm-hmm. Um, we had another church when I my husband and I were newly married where just some things came out about that pastor where it was like, he is abusive. It's no longer safe. To be in environment. My husband now has been a pastor and has, you know, seen things inside and outside where you're like, Lord, have mercy. So church hurt is rampant. I've experienced it in multiple ways all through my life. And yet, as we see in the scripture, we are called the body of Christ. The ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. You know, we all these roles in the body of Christ. And I just think when when my when I get sick right? And my nose stuffy and I can't breathe out of my nose. I don't cut my nose off from my face to heal the rest of my body. <laughs> you don't cut yourself off from the body to be healed. As painful as it is and as excruciating as it can feel to be wounded by the very body that is supposed to support and care for you, there's only one way to be healed and it is to stay connected to that very body. Now, that comes with a caveat. If the small C church body that you're in is toxic or with a narcissistic or unhealthy leader, abusive leader, get out. The Lord is not asking you to stay in that environment. But to stay in the larger body, the big C church is really what's needed to get our church hurts healed, to to get into a healthy church that is walking by spirit and truth and is deeply in the word of God. Because as you said, Sharon, we are healed often, mostly through the love of Christ as seen through other people. And it's just, that's how God has created his church, the body of Christ to work. Christ is the head. We get to fill in the rest of the parts. And so it's hard to hear when you've been wounded by the church, like 
you need to stay in church. Church is actually the place that will you, because I know how painful that's felt to me. Mm-hmm. But I've also experienced the truth of it, that if we refuse to let ourselves get bitter, and if we say, you know, I always come back to the fact, Christ gave his life for the church. I don't get to choose what Christ values. He values his church so much that he bled and died for her. And so if Christ was betrayed, beaten, wounded, ultimately killed for his people, for his bride, if he was willing to give that much, then I also am called to love the church. No, I'm not called to be beaten up by the church, although it will happen because messy people hurt people, hurt people, right? But we are called to love the things that Christ loved, and we're called to sacrificially lay down our lives for the very thing that he laid his life down for as well. And that is that is the church. So it's hard, but it's necessary. And I personally have experienced healing time and time again in the body of Christ through other people loving me and opportunity to love other people in the body of Christ and to experience Christ's love in the midst of it. Yeah, I my heart's desire is that everyone would experience the kind of beautiful uh, church family that we experienced, especially when we lost our son. And the church just rushed to the wound and that's beautiful. I mean, in fact, I wrote a book about it called Treasures of Encouragement, uh, the yeah. power of biblical encouragement and mm. how it is that we practice it and we offer it. But I also know the pain of those broken relationships. And I think the shock of it is what a lot of people are experiencing. And, and we could we could have a whole nother conversation about this topic. It's a hard one. And maybe it's your next book. And I don't know, but but uh, I know that there's beauty there because God says that there's beauty there. So I, I appreciate those remarks. We talk a lot about peace and and I think that the world has a definition of peace. What what is Jesus' definition of peace? What what is genuine peace? He says, My peace I yeah. leave with you. And then he tells yes. us there's gonna be trouble in the world, but don't worry. <laughs> it's true. It and I'm yep. Peace. Uh, How do you define that kind of peace? What does that mean? Yeah. Well, I think there's actually two layers to it. And I will say, yeah, sure. I mean, the world tells us that peace means having a cold drink on a hot beach with no worries and no responsibilities. And you're just, you've escaped from it all, right? That's not peace for most of us on a regular basis. And the reality is, the good news is that Christ actually promises us his peace, not in spite of our circumstances, but in the middle of them that no matter what circumstance we're in, we can still have Christ's peace because we have access to him. We have access to Christ himself and he himself is the Prince of Peace, right? But I think it's important to maybe offer some clarity. There are, and there are actually multiple kinds of biblical peace. If we, if we study it, you know, there's this idea of shalom. uh, There are ideas of peace between nations, peace between peoples, but there is, in order to experience the peace of Christ that surpasses understanding, you have to first experience what the scriptures talk about in Romans 5.1, which is this idea of having peace with God. Romans 5.1 says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the type of ultimate peace that Christ attained for us through his death and resurrection on the cross. Because he made the way for us to have right relationship with God the Father through his atonement sacrifice for our sins. We no longer are enemies of God. We no longer have the wrath of God upon us. We now have peace with God through Christ. 
this is the peace that comes when you give your life to the Lord and you surrender to his Lordship and you believe in him as your Lord and Savior. Then you have peace with God eternally, forever. Praise God. That is a theological truth. It's the peace of God that most of us are longing to experience in our day-to-day lives. That that practical, tangible sense of having a soul that is at rest, regardless of what we're facing. And that's what you, friends, there, Sharon, in uh, John 14, 27, when Christ says, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. He's giving us a peace regardless of circumstance, a peace that passes understanding. Um, because Jesus Christ is our peace. He is the one through his Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of Christ, as the scriptures say, that indwells us. We always have access to the peace of the Lord. And because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, he can give us peace that's unchanging. He has seen it all, lived through it all, experienced it all, and he knows how to walk in peace because he is peace himself. So I think that's encouraging to me is that once we are saved by Christ, we have peace with God. And then we can ultimately experience that peace of God as we walk with the Lord. Yeah. And I think that's what we're all longing for. And as we had talked before we started recording, it's not a one and done thing where you say, okay, now I've right. got peace and, and it's going to be here forever. And, and so I, as I think about that, what does it look like in our lives when something unexpected happens? Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that kind of peace look like when, when there's a tornado, we're in the middle of a tornado? Well, first, I think it's important to say, yeah, and to acknowledge, as you said again, Sharon, peace isn't ultimately a one and peace, peace with God, a one-time salvific event. The peace of God is going to ebb and flow because although we'd like to say we're peaceful 100% of the time, the Lord understands that we are humans and life can throw us for a loop. And actually, as I studied all these biblical men and women, that was actually very encouraging to me to see their very human responses. You know, I have a whole section on Hannah when she was struggling with infertility, her very human response to be so upset she couldn't eat, to be pouring out her heart in, in tears to the Lord. God does not, he's not upset by that. He wants us to bring our emotions to him and our fears and our worries. But when we're facing a tornado, whether it's a practical one or an emotional one, um, we we can make just day-to-day choices to line ourselves up with walking in Christ's peace. And for me, they're very clear-cut things. They don't always feel simple if you're in the midst of great anxiety and struggle. So for me, the, the non-negotiable is being in the Word of God because Scripture tells the Word is alive and active, and it cuts through. Um, it cuts through to our our minds in a way that nothing else can. And when we are facing lies or accusations or fears that just mentally wear us down, it is the word of God that becomes our sword to fight against the lies of the enemy and to break through the darkness with the truth of God's word and his light and his presence. And so being in the word of God is critical if we want to be women and men of peace. Um, Really prayer. And sometimes I'll be honest, when you are in the depths, you don't even know how to pray. You don't even want to pray. You don't even, if you did pray, you don't even know what you could say to the Lord because you don't know how you feel about him right now. (laughs) And that is where I, in those real depths of the seasons, I rely on the Psalms. I will pray the words of David when I don't have my own. I have some books of prayers that I love to rely on when I am feeling particularly and don't, can't even muster up my own words. 
And then I ask friends to pray for me, to pray with me to, I've had, you know, different seasons where we just had a friend go through a real trial recently. And we would literally just go over to her house and read scripture over her, just read it to her because she couldn't even read it herself and pray for her because she couldn't even pray herself. And that's why community I'd say is the third main thing that's, that's needed is because we all go through these ups and downs of life where you can't hold yourself up. (laughs) You need people around you who love you to support you, to speak truth to you, to call you out of this, to call you out of sin and to lovingly restore you. And I, I know, you know, Sharon, you were saying, I wish everyone could experience that. And I, I totally get that because there've been seasons where I felt very, very lonely. And I'm sure there are some people listening who are going, man, biblical community sounds great. I've never had the opportunity to experience that. And first I will say, I'm sorry. It's really hard. I've been there. Secondly, I will say most of the time, everyone else is also starving for that community, but you might have to be the one to go first. You might have to be the one to invite some people to start a Bible study. You might have to be the one to some friends to pray. I will bet eight or nine times out of 10, they will want to come because want that. They just don't know how to start it themselves. So most of my life, I've had to go first with starting small groups or starting Bible studies, um, but it's always proved very fruitful. And honestly, I don't know if it's selfishly, but it's been very critical to my own spiritual growth and my own ability to walk in peace when life hits hard. That's so good. So practical. And yes, I, you are absolutely right. Sometimes we must be the initiators and that there's, that's okay. We're going to wrap up our time. I, I hope as you were listening, as you were hearing this conversation that you're thinking, man, I want to hear more. I want to know more. And I encourage you to check out Anne's book, The Path to Peace. And you can get it on any uh, from any bookstore, any online bookstore, and we will have all this information in the show notes. And I'd also, before we wrap up, I'd also like for you to uh, tell how people can get to know you. Uh, what's your website uh, address and uh, writing, your writing school information? How can yeah. they do that? Yeah. You know, I try to make it some pretty much just my name everywhere. So it's Ann Swindell and it's just A-N-N, no E on Ann, just A-N-N, AnnSwindell.com. It's my website, a place there. Instagram is Ann Swindell. Facebook is Ann Swindell. And then right which you can connect to any of those other platforms is just writingwithgrace.com. So I'd love to connect anywhere. It's my joy to get to walk with like-hearted believers. Yeah, that that's that's great. And as I said, we'll put that that information in all the show notes. And so as we wrap up, and you have just a minute to talk to a woman. A woman says to you, maybe she's listening right now, and she says exactly what you said. I didn't sign up for this. I hate my life. What encouragement or comfort would you give to her? What first steps could you encourage her to take to start finding a steady path on which to walk? Yeah. First, I'd say, I'm so sorry. Christ understands. Christ knows your pain. There may be no one else who does, but Jesus, the Lord, understands. He sees you. He has not forsaken you. And I can't make any promises about when or if your life on this earth will get easier. We see in the scriptures that many of the saints travailed for days or even the entirety of their life. And yet we also see that the Lord sustained them. He gave them what they needed. He's upheld them and supported them with his word, with his truth, and with his very presence and with his people. And my encouragement ultimately is that there is a day coming when you will not experience this pain anymore. And if you are in Christ, there is beauty and goodness up ahead. 
and there is a day coming when Christ will make all things new. He will wipe every tear away. Death will be no more, and you will be completely safe and held and delighted in in person. And everything that was wrong will be made right in the presence of the Lord. So don't give up. That day will come sooner than we think it will, even though right now it feels impossibly long. Hold on to the Lord, ask for help, and keep your eyes on the coming day. Christ will make everything better. And thank you so much for those beautiful words and the encouragement and the passion uh, with which you speak them. And the tears, I share those tears <laughs> and that longing for that day. And yeah. uh, that incredible promise and confidence we have that that day is coming and we can depend on it. There's no doubt. I'm Sharon yeah. Betters and uh, you have been listening to the Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. And my guest is Ann Swindell and we have all of her contact information in our show notes, but she's very easy to find. And I know that you are going to want to hear more from her, especially about the topic of peace. So I urge you to, to grab her book and dig in. I have done it and I loved it. And I used it as a journal. I wrote all over the pages. So I, I hope that many of you will do the same thing. We have many more free resources like this conversation, uh, the Help and Hope podcast. We have Daily Treasure, an online devotional and podcast. Ask Dr. Betters, which is a YouTube video series where my husband Chuck answers hard questions about suffering and so much more. You can learn more about it at our website, helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. And I hope you will check it out. And also, I want you to know that if you, as you've been listening, you just are really conflicted and confused and, and, and really feel very alone. Even though you may have friends that are helping you, we have a counseling service called Anchored Hope Biblical Online Counseling. It's all online. We have incredible, trained, certified biblical counselors that are ready to talk with you. Check it out at helpandhopenow.org. I'm Sharon Betters. Again, thank you so much for joining us. And we pray that whatever is on your plate today, wherever you are traveling, that you will remember God is sovereign and you can trust him. Thank you for listening to this Help and Hope podcast produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org to find additional free resources on a variety of topics. Online counseling services are also available through Anchored Hope Biblical Counseling by visiting helpandhopenow.org. That's helpandhopenow.org. Download the Help and Hope app on your mobile device. Hope is just one click away.